Scripture reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And He healed many who were sick with various diseases. And He cast out many demons. And He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew Him. And rising early in the morning, while it was still dark, He departed and He went to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and casting out demons. When I was a senior in college at Texas Tech University, one day after church, I was driving uh, to the, probably to the, I don't remember where I was going, I was probably going to a restaurant to meet my friends uh, after church. And this was in the good old days. Uh, this was pre-Marcia Sharp days. Anybody remember the pre-Marcia Sharp days? We had stoplights we had to stop at, we had to be more patient, all that stuff. And uh, I went to church at a place out on Upland, close to Wolferth, and I remember coming back into town. I was driving on the good old Brownfield Highway, is what we called it back then, and uh, we came to a stoplight. I remember I had my younger brother uh, with me at the time, and as I came up to the, to the stoplight, I was there in my 1995 black Ford F-150, and I looked over to my left, and there, there was my roommate and, and very good friend uh, who also had gone to church with me. And, I, and, and we were probably going to go meet at the same restaurant or whatever. He pulls up at the light next to me. And so I rolled down my window because we're just sitting there, right? That's what happens when you're just bored and sitting there. I rolled down my window. He rolls down his. We kind of start talking to each other. And I had some cookies in my seat. Someone had given me cookies and I had plenty of them. And so I thought it'd be kind of cute if I took one of those cookies and just threw it, you know, out my window across the whatever, and into his window. And uh, so uh, the light turned green and we started going and, you know, I'm working the stick shift and, and looking over at my friend and I grab a cookie and I throw it over there and uh, I missed. I didn't get the window. And I, I just remember that moment of, 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 of not really, you know, hitting the target. And as I was looking at my friend, as we were talking, I, I f- turned my head to actually see where I was supposed to be going. And uh, I saw, uh, for me, to about Steve there in the sec- third row, uh, a little plastic white Dodge neon car. And I was going about 20 miles an hour. There was another stoplight 100 yards ahead, and it was still red. So, you know, I was assuming everything was going. So, so I saw that Dodge neon, threw on my brakes as hard as I could, but that was not enough space to stop my F-150 from ramming into the back of that little plastic Dodge Neon. Humiliating. 
embarrassing to talk about even to this day. This was before we had phones, so this was, this was back in the days when the real mantra was don't throw food and drive at the same time. <laughs> now it's just don't text and drive. But yeah, do not throw food and drive because it has the same effect as texting and driving. I was distracted. I was not focused on where I needed to be going. And when we get distracted, we run into things, don't we? Today we're going to uh, begin a new series called The Power of Focus. I want to invite you to look at the, that phrase, the power of focus. You know, when you go outside, you look into the, at the sun, it's pretty bright. There's a lot of rays. But if you take a magnifying glass, then those rays will go through that lens and they will all come to a certain point, a focal point, and if any boy growing up out in the country knows, you can kill some bugs, you can start a fire, you can do a lot of things with a good magnifying glass, can't you? That is the power of focus. I have become convinced that the ability to focus is one of the most difficult and valuable abilities that a person can have. I also believe that the ability to focus is more difficult today than ever before. Now, before you begin to think that this is some sort of how to be more productive series, to get more things done and work or to be more organized at the house, focus has everything to do with your relationship with Jesus. If you do not have the ability to focus, then you don't have the ability to pray. If you don't have the ability to focus, then you don't have the ability to have a relationship with God. And so, this is not some little self-help sermon series. God is calling all of us to be focused people. The distractive life is not the life that Jesus intends for us. So let me ask you this question. Do you live a focused life? Or do you think you live a focused life? Do you find yourself at home after in the evenings? Do you ever find yourself at home thinking about work? Getting consumed with work when you need to be paying attention to your family? Are you ever tempted to text and drive or throw food out your window and drive? When listening to your spouse, I'm getting dangerous here, to your spouse or other family members, does your mind ever just wander off? We can all say, yeah, it kind of does. I want to show an example. There's a commercial that came out a few years ago, and I think it's a great um, example of how difficult it can be to focus. Let's take a look. New Klondike Mint Chocolate Chip Bars present five seconds to glory. Mark versus actually listening to his wife. Beautiful, beautiful yellow splash. And I thought we could potentially paint our foyer yellow. What do you think? I know it's yellow. I know. What would you do for a Klondike bar, right? So... Five seconds. I love it. 
focus is not as easy as we think sometimes. What is focus? Well, here's one definition. Focus is the ability of one to fix your mind or your heart on one thing. And and holding on to that one thing in your mind and your heart for a period of time. That's one definition of focus. You could also define focus by what it's not. The opposite of focus is distraction. Our default mode in the world is distraction. If you just kind of relax, you'll get distracted. It takes more energy to focus than it does to get distracted. There's some, there's some kind of internal thing in your mind or your heart that you have to exert in order to truly focus. We can talk about focus in a lot of different kinds of ways. Uh, there's short-term focus. Uh, one example of short-term focus is somebody's ability to pay attention to a 25-minute sermon. Kind of get an amen out there. We watching now? Okay. Y'all know I see y'all when y'all look at your neighbors and talk to each other, don't you? Okay. Just want y'all to know that. There's midterm focus. Midterm focus is, is like, for example, making it through your whole work week and, and getting done kind of those two or three big things you needed to get done and not allowing all the little things to take your attention away from those big things. That's, that's an example of focus, midterm focus. And then there's long-term focus. One example of long-term focus are, uh, is like certain exercises or practices or habits. So if you can be a person who prays regularly or who runs or um, uh, exercises or maybe you uh, eat and, uh, and drink responsibly for an extended period of time, Uh, throughout the course of several years, then that's what you might call long-term focus. Keeping your focus on certain things for an extended period of time. Today's scripture that we looked at is a story about Jesus. And one of the ways that we can look at this scripture is in light of Jesus's focus. Jesus is healing people He's, the the people are coming to him, they're flocking to him. He's casting out demons and healing the sick and he's preaching about the kingdom of God. It says that the whole city is gathered at the door and that they go to bed that night and then it says Jesus gets up the next day and he goes out to to a place where he can be alone and Simon finally finds him and he says, hey, everybody is looking for you. And Jesus says, let's go on to the next town. And they move along to the next town, and he goes all throughout the area of Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. Now, in the life of Jesus, we see a human being. You know, we think of Jesus as God, but Jesus doesn't just walk around zapping people. He spends real time and real energy with people. He gets tired. He goes to bed. He eats. Jesus is a human being. And so... We see a man whom everyone wants a piece of. There's not enough of Jesus to go around and heal everybody. Even though Jesus gives as much of his time and energy as he can to the people that evening. And so early the next morning, the scripture says that Jesus gets up and he kind of sneaks out. And it says he goes off to a desolate place. A place where there is no one else around. Translation, a place where there are less and less distractions. And Jesus is praying. He leaves behind 
all the people and all the needs to go pray. I can only imagine what that prayer might have been like. Something like, Father, I'm so tired. I've been up all night healing people and casting out demons, and there's more needs to do today. What do you want me to do? And I imagine him hearing the Holy Spirit tell him, you have a bigger mission that you need to stay focused on. The entire area of Galilee needs to hear what you're, what you're preaching about, and so you need to go ahead and move on to the next town. It is in this place of prayer that Jesus retains his focus. He is praying, he's listening to his Father in heaven, and he's allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to him. Prayer is the place where focus happens. We too need to get away, like Jesus, to desolate kinds of places. Places where we will not be distracted. Places where our phones cannot interrupt us. Where the voices of the world and what other people want from us fade away so that we can get in touch with what God wants from us. If Jesus had to pray to maintain His focus, then we need to pray as well. So let me ask you this. How good are you at doing this lately? Do you get away to desolate places? Do you find times in your, in your life, some kind of rhythm in your month where you can get away for a while? Where you can turn your phone off? Where you can say, hey, I'm going to go to this place. If I'm not back within four hours, come find me. Those kinds of places. Jesus gets away. And we need to as well. Maybe you need to go to that place. Maybe you need to spend some time in the Scriptures, some extended time. Maybe you need to, to pray to God, even walk with God, talk out loud to God. Maybe, like me, you need to journal. I tend to journal because my head goes 100 miles an hour, but my, my writing is about 10 miles an hour. And it forces me to slow down my brain to what I'm doing physically. We have to. We have to commit to spending time in prayer if we are going to have God's focus in our lives. There's simply no other substitute. You know, I fully believe that we need to be working ways of praying and and keeping our eyes on God throughout our day and throughout our week. You can do that in a lot of different ways. If you drive anywhere, you can do that. You can listen to all kinds of things. You can listen to podcasts. We even have a podcast in this very service. You can listen to the podcast of uh, last Sunday's sermon. There's a lot of different ways that you can get in touch with God throughout your day. Maybe you set aside some time. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's in the evening. Maybe you get up before everybody else like Jesus did. But in addition to that, I think we need some extended time with Him. We need time where we can just get away and, and begin to resist all those other distractions that are always bombarding us. I have to confess when I try to pray that it takes a solid 15 to 30 minutes to like calm my mind down 
Because the first thing I think of is what is the next thing I got to do today? How am I going to get it all done? What's on my calendar? What am I supposed to be doing? This person said something about me the other day that, that doesn't, doesn't just settle right. There's all these little things that pop in my head. What, what am I going to do about this? I still haven't resolved that in my decision on this. There's all kinds of things. And so I want to invite you to do that, to get away and to just begin to identify the distractions. You can even write them down. You can say, yep, I got distracted by that. Yeah, I got distracted by that. And if something comes to you, write it down and say, I'm going to come back to that later. It's about learning how to pay attention to what God is saying. But there's so many voices in the world, we have to learn to say no to those first. Are you making room for prayer so that God can focus your life? Second of all, everybody in this scene wants a piece of Jesus' time. Everybody wants Him to heal them or to, to preach to them or to, to do signs and wonders or whatever it may be. And Simon and company, even Jesus goes out. Well, they find Him. They're chasing after Him. Simon and company find where Jesus is praying and they say, everybody is looking for you. Do you ever feel that way? You just got too many people who want a piece of your time. You got too many people, too many things to do, and other people are wanting or expecting you to do something. Today, so many things are calling for our attention. Now, they may be the real needs of real people. And while you can serve some people, you can't serve everybody. Or the things calling for our attention may be frivolous. Frivolous distractions that are consuming too much of your mental energy that you and I may need to place limits on. These little things can be distracting, can't they? They can waste our life away looking at these things. Is looking at your phone the highest calling of God on your life? Probably not. How much time are you spending on this? Everybody is looking for you. Everybody is calling for your attention, Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says, let us go on to the next towns. He's saying, I know there's needs, but I need to continue on because I have a mission to fulfill. And if I stay here, then I'm neglecting my bigger mission. I'm neglecting what God is calling me to do. How many of us or how often do we neglect God's calling on our life because we're pleasing the people around us? Or we're merely entertaining ourselves, being busy and distracted by many things. I find it very encouraging that Jesus doesn't have time to heal every person. That means that you and I don't have to heal every person. We don't have to be all things to all people at all times. You have to be willing to say no. If you are not willing to say no in your life, then you will become nothing more than what the world wants you to be. 
You will be nothing more than a chameleon. If the world wants you to be red, you'll turn red. If the world wants you to be green, you'll turn green. If the world wants you to be yellow, you'll turn yellow. You will be nothing more than the product of what the world wants. You have to say no at many times and many places. In fact, if we're really going to focus well, you have to say no to most things in your life. Most opportunities, most engagements, most invitations. Who or what is God calling you to say no to? These two kind of go hand in hand. But the other question is, what is God calling you to say yes to? You know, when Jesus goes away and prays, he finds his, he remembers his yes. He remembers, okay, I've come out that I am supposed to go and preach through all of Galilee. That is the big yes. In order to do that, he can't do that and stay in his local place. He can't do it all. In the same way, you and I can't do it all. So we've got to find our yes. What is God calling you to be and do in your life? Well, if you're a spouse, he's calling you to be a loving and faithful husband or wife. If you're a father or mother, he's calling you to engage as a father or mother. We're all neighbors, so there's some element of that that God's calling us to say yes to. We're all members of this community. We're all, we're all connected to this church. God is calling each of us to say yes to something in all of these areas. What might that be? You find that in your place of prayer. But at the same time that you're finding your yes, there's also times where you need to find your no. And I think these go hand in hand. Sometimes we find our yes first, but sometimes our life is so full of stuff that we just got to start saying no and clearing out some space to where we can get to our yes. It's kind of like if you're looking at me versus some other object on the stage, uh, we'll take this uh, nice Apple computer here, okay? So you really can't look at me right at me, and right at that computer at the same time, can you? Now, if you're looking at one of us, you can see the other out of the periphery, but the, the very concept of focus is that you can only look at one thing at one time. You're either going to look at me and see something else in the background, or you're going to look at something else and see me in that background. Very much. The more we discover our yes, the more that everything else will begin to fade in the background. It, it, it may still be in the picture. It may still be on the periphery, but it's not the main thing. I feel like most of us never get to that place of really finding our life calling and that all of life is just one big blur. What is your focus what is God calling you to say yes to? What or who is God calling you to say no to? It's hard, isn't it? When people come up to you and they say, Bishop, would you like to be on the prayer ministry? We meet from 1 to 5 on Sunday afternoons. And you spend four hours at this rail on your knees. Would you like to do that today, Bishop? Say no. Say no. 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 Good. Good. It's okay to say no, right? It's okay. 
Now, if you're saying no just so you can go enjoy your own life 100% and not give to anybody else, that's probably not what your calling is. But if you're saying no so that you can find and discover your yes to God, that's a good thing, my friends. That's a very good thing. What is your no and what is your yes? Do you know that God is calling you to live a focused life? Do you know what that looks like for you? Are you willing to do the work of making room for God in prayer? And who or what do you need to say no to so that you can say yes to what God wants for you in your life? Let's think and pray about these. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we find that you were busy doing, doing your thing and that people wanted things from you and they were expecting and hoping that you would do things for them. And yet you never took your eyes off of your heavenly Father. You kept your focus. Oh Lord, you know our lives you know that we get distracted by many things, some that might be important, some that might not be. Would you help us to find our yes? Would you help us to discover all that you are calling us to focus on? Would you help us not to live distracted, frenzied, anxious, filled lives, but to be at peace with who we are and with who we're not, with what we're called to do and what we're not called to do. Would you help us to say no without feeling guilty, but because we are seeking you and would you help us to begin to say yes to the things you're calling us to? Come Holy Spirit, show us what it is that you want to show us today. Open our eyes that we may see. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.